Would a 10-year-old choose to carry a baby? Um, I, I, I cannot. Do you think a 10-year-old should choose to carry a baby? I believe it would probably impact her, her life. And so therefore, it would fall under any exception and would not be an abortion. Wait, it would not be an abortion if a 10-year-old with her parents made the decision not to have a baby that was the result of a rape? If a 10-year-old became pregnant as a result of rape and it was uh, threatening her life, then that's not an abortion. So it would not fall under any abortion restriction in our nation. Ms. Warbelow, um, are you familiar with disinformation? Uh, yes, I am. Did you just hear some disinformation? Uh, yes, I heard some very significant disinformation. Why don't you tell me about uh, that? Yes, an, an abortion is a procedure. It's a medical procedure um, that individuals undergo for a wide range of circumstances, um, including uh, because they have been sexually assaulted, uh, raped in the case of the 10-year-old, um, it doesn't matter whether or not um, there is a statutory exemption. It is still a medical procedure that is understood to be an abortion. Uh, beyond that, I think it's also important to note that there is no exception um, for the life or the health of the mother in the Ohio law. That's why that 10-year-old had to cross state lines in order to receive an abortion. Hey, fam. Welcome back to Profane Faith. Here we are. Yes, we are. We are continuing our series here, late in season six, uh, on the fallout of Roe v. Wade. I encourage you, if this is your first time tuning in, uh, first of all, welcome. Thank you for coming, except for the haters. Uh, Y'all can just keep to stepping. Um, but uh, if this is your first time, thank you for tuning in. I would actually um, encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episodes. Um, uh, two more great voices just talking about just... The different effects of Roe v. Wade and its falling um, after 50 years and just what that means, the broader uh, concept of that. And, um, and yeah, so I would encourage you to go back and do that. That was last week. This week, uh, we're going to have two more episodes. We have one today here on Monday, and then we have another one releasing our last one on Thursday. So four different um, um, thought processes and ideologies on you know the fall of Roe v. Wade. Um, that clip that you were just listening to uh, was Catherine Glenn Foster. She is the CEO and president of Americans United for Life. This is an organization who has lobbied that birth begins at the heartbeat of the fetus. Her blatant lie that overturning Roe v. Wade wouldn't affect a 10-year-old rape victim is a perfect example, fam, of how Christian worldviews are as pernicious as a weed that winds its way into our culture laws and individual freedoms um I, and this is you know i think this idea and notion right this 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 understanding of a christian worldview a biblical worldview i got some problems with that phrasing in that particular line of discourse simply because it comes with an assumption that there is only one way to interpret a christian worldview and a biblical worldview right uh, it comes with some uh, with strong connotations in regards to who are the right people to worship in that. And you also, if you're a good critical thinker, have to ask yourself, who defines what a Christian worldview and biblical worldview is? Now, some Christians will say, oh, man, it, you know, the Bible defines that. But you got to keep pressing forward. Like, right. But then who interprets the Bible? Who are the authoritative people who say this is biblical and this isn't okay um i think adhering to a worldview that is strictly christian uh and more likely white cis and hetero okay let's just let's just keep it 100 implies that there is no offer or no 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 really no other way to live in the world and that any other way is morally wrong you're not spreading the good news by myopically assessing the world through your Christian lens. You're spreading judgment and condemnation. Uh, this was a post by a group on Instagram called Black Coffee with Friends. I'll put the link uh, in the show notes. Um, I'm sure they got another website as well. Uh, Black Coffee with White Friends. This was a post they put out, so I definitely want to cite my sources um, where I'm, I'm reading from and citing from, uh, but also saying that I agree with this. I think that so oftentimes, again, those Christian and biblical worldviews, we got to be real careful how we how we break that down and what we mean by that. 
because there is uh, there are understandings, there are connotations, there are implementations for policy, for laws, for things that affect people that look like me that come with saying something like that. Uh, so I think it's important as we, you know, begin to, you know, kind of unpack our theology um, and particularly begin to really deconstruct what does it mean to be Christian outside of a white cishet lens uh, to begin to question what is really a Christian worldview. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable doing this, right? Because it does open up the door then to different interpretations, right? Then we have to actually begin to entertain a queer the theological perspective, a trans theological perspective, a black theology theological perspective uh, on this Christian worldview. Um, and, you know, white folks want to keep it as, again, the biblical worldview. I, and I grew up with that saying. I grew up with people telling me, this is a Christian worldview and we have to have this. We have to have this in schools. We have to have this um, in, uh, uh, you know, in in the places, uh, you know, that um, uh, that matter. Right. And then that is politics. And again, you gonna hear today. Uh, I got I, I got Ashley as a guest who is sharing her experience. But I'm also replaying an episode that I recorded with the great Lisa Sharon Harper, uh, I don't know, two years ago, two, three years ago. I don't know. I'm going to put the link for the to the full episode uh, in the show notes at whitehodgepodcast.com. Um, but she breaks it down, uh, just the history of abortion. And, you know, the 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 conservative right was didn't even care about abortion. They didn't care about any of that stuff. This is these are racist laws that are that are that they are, that are in place. Well, these are racist ideologies, excuse me, that are in place. Uh, and a lot of this stuff took place during. Uh, you know, like the satanic panic, the rise of the moral right, uh, uh, you know, focus on the family, that stuff during the 80s. Um, and it's really kind of permeated throughout culture in the guise of Christianity and that somehow Christians are being persecuted. The devil is after him. This is I'm telling y'all, fam, this is a very dangerous worldview. This is what leads folks to war, because if you believe you are on God's side, right? You believe that God has personally called you to take out your enemies and that the people rising up against this country um, are enemies of God. Well, my fine feathered friends, uh, there's no length to what you will go to to do uh, in order to see that, quote unquote, a Christian worldview, um, you know, makes it happen. You see what I'm saying? I don't know if you see what I'm saying. I don't know, fam. I don't know. But check this out. I want you to hear this recording. This is from your uh, esteemed colleague, Barna. Um, and uh, I don't know. George Barna is an interesting cat. Um, the only reason I still get their emails is because I like to kind of just chuckle a little bit about, you know, how they think young people are actually, quote unquote, coming back to the church. <laughs> um, and just some of the data. Now, I'll give Barna has done a hell of a job marketing, uh, you know, marketing really to the Christian industrial complex uh, and really positioning himself and his organization as the authority on Christian stats. Um, they are gatekeepers. Uh, trust me, even in my own process of better, quote unquote, trying to understand youth culture and all that, they are gatekeepers. You're going to have to have a conversation with somebody from Barna. Barna is the shit. Okay, so there's a lot of weight that goes on in with that in regards to who George Barna and just that whole organization is. But I want to let, let, let you listen to this uh, clip that's coming from uh, Right Wing Watch that I think fits perfectly uh, with what we're going to be talking about today. Check it out. You look at the integrated disciples, they say, no, 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 no. Only one thing matters. That's am I knowing and loving and serving God to the fullest possible extent that I can. And so when you have that mindset, that puts you on a different path than the rest of the culture. So, George, from looking at this from, you know, my perspective here, have been involved in the political realm for 25 years, headed up FRC for 17 years, working on advocating for biblical truth in our public policy. The, the, the best thing to do, I see, from this study, from this and this is ongoing, is that what we need to be doing in our churches, not so much teaching people about the political issues. Oh, that's important. I mean, we need to educate them. 
But we need to develop the biblical worldview. If we get, the, if we develop the biblical worldview, helping them become integrated disciples, the pieces fall in place, do they not? Absolutely, and that's why one of the things I'm advocating is that you know the America has a profound spiritual deficiency, and that's what's produced the worldview crisis that's responsible for the collapse of American society in many ways. If we clean up that worldview issue, everything else is going to fall into place. That's really the key domino on the board. And so if we get that right, we're going to fix a lot of things at once. So with that understanding, if you're on the political left, what is the best way to neutralize the opposition to your radical social and fiscal policies? Take away their religious liberty because you do not want those people to have a biblical worldview. You want them to be restrained. You want them not to be taught these things and embracing these things because it's going to lead to a very predictable action. And it's an action that they don't want to see happen. And and I go back to what you said earlier about the development stage of that biblical worldview. I mean, we're talking about children in our elementary and secondary uh, schools that are being indoctrinated with an anti-biblical worldview, and then we're scratching our heads about the outcome. Yeah, I, you know, I, I forget if it was Marx or Lenin who said it first, but they said, you know, give me a child till the age of seven or eight, and I've got him for the rest of life. So, whoo, there's a lot there, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I mean, okay, there's a few things that, as I think about, you know, this clip, again, this gets back into that understanding of a Christian worldview and that kind of ideology around that um, and how there has been a strong push, whether you see it or not, uh, you know, to keep prayer in schools and to, and to really have a sense of Christian nationalism throughout the country. Um, and really what that equates, you know, don't give a fuck about religion. People don't give a fuck about, you know, uh, you know, who sleeps with who. It's all about power, fam. This is all about power. Okay. And religion is just a disguise of it. And people are going to, people are fooled by that thinking, oh, I'm a God, but this shit is about power. And so for me, I'm just like, wow, this is this is a dangerous rhetoric that's going out, right? It's like, you know, now you're 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 uh, you're completely misquoting Stalin or Lenin, whichever however you want to go on that. If they even said that, I don't necessarily they I mean they said a lot of stuff in regards to that. They're very critical in terms of their worldview on religion because of some of the shit that had gone down. Now I'm not trying to make Stalin and Lenin out to be saints, but what I am saying is is that. I'm all for interpreting the Bible in a lot of different ways. It is an old book. I've talked about this on, uh, on the show and just, you know, some of the agendas uh, that even went in at the councils of Nicaea to put in, keep certain books in, uh, you know, leave certain books out. Uh, we know, you know, from history that shows us, right, that the Christian Bible was tampered with. You know, to keep black people subjugated to white master, you know, to the white master and really how whiteness is better. We know that scriptures were changed, you know, you know, from one thing to the next. So when it comes down to that, I'm no, I'm not buying that. Oh, we got to have a Christian worldview in schools. Hail to the knob. Whose is it? Are we studying Cone? <laughs> right. Are, are, are we stu studying Will Gaffney, Dr. Will Gaffney? Mm -mm, yeah. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Howard Thurman? No. Nah. I don't want to hear nothing like that. Um, I like keeping my religion and politics separate. And I think right now this is part of, I think, what gives me angst in regards to how we're headed. Um, it's like the, the, the um, you know, the, 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 the old analogy, right? The frog in the, uh, in the pot, in the cooking pot, right? Um, and, uh, I, you know, when you think Barna, this is, again, this is Barna, this is a guy, again, who a lot of people know. Again, this idea notion of the Christian right. There is no other worldview. Other than the Christian right, that is Christianity in that in that sense. You can't be leftist. You can't be a liberal. You can't be. It is like uh, an anathema to to uh, to to, the, to those folks. It is like oil and water. So it stands the reason why there's been such a push right to, uh, you know, to get, you know, to push past this thing on on abortion and get that, you know, that law overturned. Um so yeah, fam, we got there's a lot. There's a lot. This is just a podcast to say, you know, a, a call to action. I think we gotta wake up because there's a lot coming down the pike. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this type of ideology, especially since these cats have so much power, we know that, you know, particularly white cishet men, you know, have a lot of power, a lot of money. We know that that rules the world. We know that that uh, funds wars and we know that funds militaries, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's what gives me pause about, you know, the next decade um, in this in this country, especially when you think about just how unorganized and disjointed uh, Democrats are. And I don't think that Demo- you know, Democrats are in the office right now. They ain't doing shit. Um, so we got some problems. <laughs> we got some problems. Um, and uh, yeah, but for this episode, sit back, uh, enjoy Ashley. She's been on the show before, so you want to hear her full story? I'll put that link in the show notes. It was this season. I had her on, had to bring her back, told you I was going to bring her back. Um, and she just shares her perspective of the fall of Roe v. Wade. And stay tuned on Tuesday. I got another great guest coming out on Tuesday, excuse me, Thursday. Uh, that'll pop up. So if you're following uh, or subscribe to Profane Faith, uh, great. Thank you. If you're not, hit that subscribe button uh, and these things will just pop up automatically in your feed, uh, whatever device or wherever you find your podcast, it will just be there. Uh, you can save it. You can listen later. You can even fast forward through all my commentary and get to the good stuff, right? Um, so at any rate, check the Ashley's uh, uh, um, perspective out and then stay tuned right after that. I'm going to replay uh, the episode, not the full episode, just the part where Lisa Sharon Harper was given the history, um, some historical context behind abortion and the and the uh, the religious right. Cool. All right, fam. Stay, stay, stay strong. Stay strong. Yeah. What? Uh, how have you been dealing and reeling from uh, just the uh, Roe v. Wade and, of course, all the mess that's fallen out from that uh, since? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because like, I think that more than the, the rage and the sadness is a lot of just like, I told you so. And a lot of like, I knew this was going to happen, you know? And, um, and this is like, it's just one of those things where you feel like you, you saw it coming, but now that it's here, it's like, Oh wow, this is, this is here. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that growing up in an evangelical family and evangelical culture, like this has always been one of those issues where like it's, it's just always been pushed. Like, you know, um, the idea that, uh, that only God can make a baby. And so any and all pregnancy, um, is a gift from God and is sacred and, and whatever. So it's like, this is the same narrative that, um, that the Christian right has been pushing for decades, you know? So it's like, it's not super surprising to me because I grew up in, in that, and this is what they've been pushing for. Um, I mean, it's definitely angering that it happened during a democratic pre- uh, presidency and um yeah i just it's it's a lot of a lot of emotions a lot of like i saw this coming but then a lot of like what the fuck (laughs) yeah what is our what is the this administration doing if not preventing these civil rights from being taken away um yeah yeah no absolutely i think that's one of the things that has come up a lot is the question of like yo biden like what's y'all administration doing right now um because i'm not very hopeful of the midterm elections and i'm dang sure not hopeful of the 2024 elections um and just kind of the future of where we find ourselves mainly just because biden i feel like is one of my one of my more favorite uh, authors or, or journalists at the Washington Post wrote an article. His name's Dana Milbank um, on, you know, give Biden a break and everything. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he he knew what he was getting into. I mean, this is what he asked for. It's just like, you know, you're coming out of a really you, you're coming into a real big mess, a real big mess. And I'm asking and I'm wondering, right, like, what in the hell are you to do? Why couldn't they have codified this stuff? long ago <laughs> and mm-hmm. we can look at the past and all that stuff but 
before I get into all the politics of it, well, let me ask you this. You talked about some of the arguments. What are some of the things, how, you know, what were some of the things that you, as you were raised that came up in regards to quote unquote, right to life, the, you know, protecting life, the, the fetus is a life, the fetus is a human. I mean, some of those things that have, that have come up that I know you, I'm sure you've probably heard and just how you've seen some of those things connect back over to like purity culture. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, that was always the argument that was pushed. Like, and we had people come to our church and show videos of, um, you know, uh, what fetuses look like when they are aborted and, yeah. and just really, you know, shocking imagery. And then they would get into the idea of like why a fetus is a life. And, um, and that was kind of the main, like the main argument for, for that. So, and, and they kind of taught us how to defend ourselves uh, against pro-choice people. Cause at the time, you know, I was growing up being taught to, to defend my faith as, as far as abortion rights and, and, and stuff goes. And so they would say, you know, what makes a fetus um, less of a life than, than an actual baby? Is it the size? Is it the dependency on the mother? And you can get into all this gray area because like, if it is a dependency on the mother, well, then what about babies that are born and need to be on life support? Or if it's size, then like, what about babies that are born premature? And so there are all of these arguments um, and they really like, they really drilled that into us to be able to defend the pro-life side, whether that was at school, like uh, in biology class, whether that was just talking to, to people. So it was this idea that there's no difference between a fetus and and a baby out of the womb. So that was really pushed. And then um, it was just this idea, like I said before, that only only God has control over whether or not a a baby is conceived. And therefore, if someone is pregnant, it is ultimately God's will. So the the culture that I grew up under, um, which I talked about in my my last episode, I was on. Mm-hmm idea that God's will for everyone is to be a family. So, you know, a monogamous heterosexual marriage and then kids. So ultimately everyone is supposed to have kids and, um, every pregnancy is a blessing no matter how it comes about. So even if it's a teenager, even if it's, um, through sexual assault, it is, I was, I was taught that if you're pregnant from sexual assault, that it's God's way of making something good come from something bad. And that's why, uh, you shouldn't get an abortion if you are sexually assaulted. Um, so it all goes back to the idea of God intends for everyone to have children and every child that is born is loved by God and is supposed to be here. Um, And that's why they counsel young women, victims of sexual assault to go forward with the pregnancy. Um, Because even if they don't want to be a mother, there's then there are people out there who will adopt their baby. So you got pregnant, you got sexually assaulted from pregnancy so that this couple that can't conceive can have a baby. You know, it's all this, this idea that God wants everyone to be a family. And, um, and it's, it's very, uh, it, it was really drilled into me as a young person that, um, pregnancy is a, basically a consequence of premarital sex or, you know, so um, the idea of don't have sex unless you are prepared to raise a child. Um, And so they really drilled that into teenagers, you know, like, but then also if you do get pregnant, don't abort it because even though it's not God's will for you to have sex before you're married, somehow it's God's will for you to be a parent. And it, it's, it's so messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but that was kind of the, the narrative that they were, were pushing was that, that babies, quote unquote babies are supposed to be here. And um, whatever the circumstances, we need to make sure that those babies get born Um, and, and it was very much like advocating for these, 
babies, but then uh, I'm sure as you know, you know, once they get here, if they're born to a single mother, if they're born to a teenager, um, they do very little as far as actually helping when they are outside of the womb. Right, 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 right. Well, and I think that's right. One of the things it's like, you know, I saw a few of my former students, you know, posting different things about, you know, pro-life and um you know how there's all these resources out there for women to have babies and if they don't want them they can you know turn them over and of course there was that meme on uh twitter that was going well pretty much all social media of like we'll adopt your baby and and um you know so but those of us who've worked in those systems know just the amount of mess that exists in the foster one the foster care system just alone um Mm -hmm. and we also know the racialized, you know, crap that happens within those sectors. The, you know, the stats that says, you know, you know, black babies are you know, there's more likely to you know, end up because, you know, they're they're black end up in different impoverished situations, all those things. What are some of the impacts moving forward with this? I was listening to an NPR episode, uh, I think two days ago, and they were talking about how like uh period apps can be used as you know basically used against you and i was i'm just i'm sitting there listening to that and i'm like god damn like we are like really we're having these conversations like this can be used against you and then the woman who was who was talking about that was also saying how most of the times when people are reported you know about if they got an abortion it's from actual healthcare professionals that are in the mm-hmm. hospital who have like if a woman has complications from an abortion and she ends up in the hospital nurses or doctors you know will report them so i'm just like oh my god like so so i I don't know what are some of the other things that you know you have engaged with you've seen or are you know yeah um what's the word i'm I'm looking for anticipating as this is now becoming law across the land yeah it's it's scary for sure i mean i'm in a i'm in a blue state in colorado so like you know personally my my right to an abortion has not been taken away in the same way that other states are now um outlawing it but um you know i I was talking to another friend who uh she lives in california and um she was saying like you know yeah i might be in a blue state but i have she has an iud and she's like what if i'm traveling i have a layover in you know texas and I have a medical emergency and then they can see that I have an IUD in me, but will they treat me in Texas? You know, Ooh. so like all of this weird stuff I didn't think about, like, um, you know, it's like if you go on a road trip and you, you know, you maybe are having complications from your pregnancy, if you're on a, on a trip, um, or if you have some other kind of medical, you know, not even, not even related necessarily to your, your reproductive organs, but like could potentially a hospital in a red state refuse care to you because you have an IUD or because you are, um, you know, you're having a, a, a tubal pregnancy or something, you know, so things like that, that I didn't really, there's implications there about being careful where you travel. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the period tracking apps, I was doing some research on that. Thankfully there are a lot of apps that do not share your data um, the one that I use called Clue, it is a German company, I believe, and okay. they are not under the jurisdiction to, uh, to you know, uh, give over their, uh, their info, even if the U.S. subpoenaed it. So I, there are definitely apps out there. If people do their research, they can still use. Um, but I would say, like, it's probably better just to go with a paper calendar or something. Yeah. Just in case. Um, but yeah, gosh, there's so many... Um, so many implications. And I think one thing I'm trying to remind myself is like, even though I'm in a blue state, I can't just count myself like, oh, I'm good because right. as we can see, you know, these things can happen quickly. It can be kind of a slippery slope. I mean, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's very scary to know that, you know, things could change so quickly. Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't feel a lot of reassurance there. Cause it's like, who knows what, what could happen. Um, so yeah, I, I don't feel out of the woods yet at all. And I'm trying to keep in perspective that while I still have the privilege to 
those reproductive rights in my state, that's not true for everybody. And I can't just be in my bubble and uh, think that this doesn't affect me. I mean, if it affects one person in a red state, it affects us all effectively. Yeah. Those are really good points. I like that uh, that you brought up about the the paper <laughs> route for for that as well. Um, yeah. But you're right, and I think about that as well. Like I'm in Illinois. Uh, currently, we have you know a Democratic governor, blue state. But prior to him taking office, we were we were a red state. We were under a Republican governor, um, and at least from what I can tell, like you know, we just had the primaries and stuff, and all the 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 um, GOP candidates, all of them across the board, were saying that they were pro life and that they will make abortion, they will ban abortion in the state. All of them, all of like eight of them, and stuff like that. So, um, I'm just like, okay, well, we'll see what happens in the fall. <laughs> you know, come the fall, um, we, you know, and so there's just I don't know, there's just a lot of apprehension all in and around, and especially with the the uh, the memo that what is it, Clarence Thomas put out in regards to. Um, now let's, you know, look at, you know, of course they're going after gay rights and gay marriage. And now they're talking about contraception and everything. I mean, this is, it feels like we're, we're less than a step away from, you know, well, let's just put women in, in, in coffee sacks and, and take away their driver's licenses because that's what God wants for Mm -hmm. this country. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, it seems very. We're mm-hmm. a weird time and whatnot. How are how are you? What's some of the conversation? Oh, go ahead. Are you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, even in 2020, there are still people, you know, Republicans and, and evangelical Christians who really do like unironically believe that women should, you know, have no rights. They should not have a credit card. They should not drive. They should not like, these are not like extreme, uh, things to like, uh, there are people who actually believe those things and who believe that the traditional family needs to be, you know, like the, the wife stays at home and bears children. And so it's not, um, I think it's important for, I would say, especially Democrats to realize that like, not everyone is as enlightened or progressive as they are. And there are still pockets of the world where, um, this is being taught in homes in, you know, and these aren't just people out in the boonies or, you know, Amish families or something like this. These are like, you know, people who go to your public school who, you know, are right. just out and about at Trader yeah. Joe's with you. Like these are not, I think it's important to keep in tr- perspective. Like these are not just like um, really rare cases. You know, I, I, have people in my immediate family who believe these things and like, we're not, you know, just like hillbillies out in the woods. And so <laughs> that's an important thing to keep in mind is like, when we say like, Oh, don't worry. Like they're not going to overturn it. Like this is, you know, the 21st century. And it's like, no, this is like, this is happening. So. Right. I'm glad you said that. I mean, cause that is, that is the truth. Right. And people, this is why I say ideology is such a powerful item for anyone because it 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 controls behavior right people will do those things in the name of god right people who i you know and i've i've been around as well you know growing up being around particularly black seventh day adventists i mean there's a lot of people who do things that are just fucked up but they do so thinking i'm doing this for god like this is i am god's warrior i am i am god's ambassador in doing this and this is god's love um not ever thinking until, you know, they have some kind of moment. I mean, I've, I, I've said it before, like I've went back and I tried to personally say, I apologize to a lot of the kids where they're grown ass people now, but, um, uh, you know, kids that I work with, you know, when I was a quote unquote youth pastor and just all the crap on sex and this and that, I mean, it just, it was just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it was just a racketeer in terms of the ideology being thrown around and whatnot. Um, yeah. So how, how, what have conversations been like for you with family, with partners, um, friends, work, all of those things. I know you code as well, or, you, you know, and you, uh, you, and you, in the, you in that computer world and stuff. So I envy that I need, I need, I need to do something like that as, as well. Although I, maybe I'm stereotyping, maybe there is much more engagement in the computer world with people than I, you know, than the stereotype lets on. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, in a way, I, I feel like the circles that I run in still are pretty progressive. You know, the people I choose to spend time with, whether it's work or, or the tech side of things or the evangelical community, you know, they're all very forward thinking. So I feel like I have a lot of support in those conversations and everyone is collectively like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so it's good to, you know, have that. Um, it's one thing I've noticed, um, I don't, I mean, I don't want to make like a total blanket statement, but one thing I've noticed is, um, straight white men being particularly quiet about a lot of this, Mm. you know, and like not really, um, not really saying a lot and, um, and not really, and, and part of it is like, maybe they're just trying to give the floor to other people who, you know, are actually affected by, by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. But then part of me is like, okay, you have this privilege, you know, but now it's like kind of crickets and you don't have a whole lot to say about it. And, um, like I was watching a TikTok and they were, there's a group of students at BYU. Um, they're called the black menaces. Um, it's a really good, uh, a TikTok channel and they okay. just interview kids. Um, it's black students who go to BYU and they interview other students about, you know, just different um, social issues. And they were asking different students about, you know, what do you think about the overturning of Roe v. Wade? And they asked this one kid, you know, just a uh, straight white, you know, c- cis presenting kid. And they were like, you know, what do you think about the overturning of Roe v. Wade? And like, he just goes, Oh, I didn't even know that it was, overturned i didn't i didn't know that what? And it was like, yikes oh man but i feel like that's wow. um and i but i i would like to think that's rare right now that you know it's so but i don't know man it's like if things don't personally affect um cisgender straight white guys it's hard to get them actually um you know, involved about it um and then on the other side i'm seeing a ton of rage and, um, you know, just a lot of talking from white women, um, mm. because all of a sudden they feel very affected by this, even though for decades for centuries, women of color and their reproductive rights have always been, um, you know, taken away, have always been up for, uh, you know, up for grabs. And so it's, <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to have conversations with people that are, different than me because, um, you know, it's, it's very scary to see who is showing up, who's not. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Hmm. And, uh, there's, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, we're going into the handmaid's tale times and stuff. And I, I try to, you know, kind of push back on that because I'm like, this is something that, um, it's 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 more in the forefront right now of our brains because it's been overturned and it can affect anyone who becomes pregnant. But um, there are there's you know a ton of history around forced sterilization of women of color and and things that people have been going through in real life for a long time. And so bringing up the Handmaid's Tale and trying to compare it to that, I feel like is um, you know, that's not really, that's not really the point. (laughs) Like that's not, but it's like the only way that white women can relate to being oppressed. Um, so it's really interesting. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good Um, point. Yeah. The other conversation I've been having with a lot of people lately is about politics and it's like, you know, kind of like facetiously, I am like, you know, what are Republicans, what are these single issue voters gonna, gonna do now? Because abortion was always the one thing that Christians say, you know, keep them voting Republican. And, um, so I don't know, I'm just like, now I'm like, Oh, what are you going to do now? Because, uh, you know, with this overturned, what, what are your representatives going to push for their, like their thing that they're going to change or whatever. Um, so now I'm like, okay, that one issue was gone. Now you have to reckon with all of these other issues that, um, that fall under what Jesus taught, you know, helping the poor and, um, you know, loving your neighbor and, and laws and policies that support that, which fall heavily on the Democrat side. So it's like, okay, your abortion is taken care of. That issue is overturned. Now are you going to be real with yourself about what else the Republican party 
um, supports or doesn't support. So, um, yeah, I've been kind of annoyed with that whole situation, too. Ooh, that is deep. That is I like that. That is a really, really good point in regards to some of these wedge issues, right, that they have been talking about, because you're absolutely right. I've heard I've heard that from a lot of different people, right, who say, like, the only reason I vote Republican is because they support the right to life, and nah, 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 nah. you know, it's like, oh, that's the only reason I kept, you know, voting for them and stuff, and, um, and, and you're right, it's like, well, so what now? Like, okay, like, what you gonna do? And my question is, is like, can they, can someone, you know, really reckon? I mean, I, I, because I, I, I want to believe that, but you're right. I mean, you can even going back to what you were talking about, I feel like as a society, we've gotten to this really apex where like, if it doesn't affect me and if it's not showing up in my timeline somewhere, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know, I got quote unquote life to live and I gotta, you know, I got things I gotta go do over here. And you know, with social media, I can just keep scrolling like, oh, that's bad, but you know, it's not here. That's not in this country. I mean, how can you have a white guy that's still saying i didn't even know that was overturned like are well okay so i don't know i mean these are these are some things that that concern me and and this is just again my glass is half empty type of hat going on and and as a researcher i think about just kind of the ignorance and not that people are dumb but the ignorance i think of folks in regards to current events and then ultimately the implications for that critical race theory most people who argue against it i would say dare to say almost all of them haven't the slightest clue what the hell they're even talking about somebody has gassed them up telling them that people that look like me are teaching their kids to hate white people I'm like, I was driving. I think I told you this. I, I, I forget where I said it, but I was driving through up north. You know, we got a little timeshare. So we were, you know, driving up north in Illinois, Galena area. And, um, you know, there was a sign that said, say no to CRT. And I'm just like, do you even know what that means? Like, you know, who the who who who, do, who have you read from CRT that you're like just against? Like, tell me about that. Tell me about some of the research that you have read that you disagree with. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, how are you holding up personally just in these in these days and, 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 and nights? It feels like there's just a lot coming at us in general, um, you know, between police shooting, you know, this unarmed black guy 60 times, you know, uh, compared to a mass shooter who did shoot and kill people. But they take mm-hmm. him into custody very nicely. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's arrested. I mean, from that to. The ongoing news, of course, you know, I, I can't stand election years because it's just all the ads and crap that comes up. But how are you personally holding up and and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm definitely just feeling tired. Um, yeah, I bet. And very like, yeah, I don't know. I it's I I have no really solution except just to um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have like a, I guess we're all just kind of coping every day and, um, you know, just trying to, I think collectively just like look at the situations and be like, what is going on? But yeah, I, I, I'm feeling really defeated lately. And, um, you know, especially defeated about voting. Like that's the most annoying thing is like right now everyone Democrats are like, that's why you got to get out and vote. That's why you got to do that. It's like, but we did that. And right. look what happened. Like, it just makes me want to be like, no, I'm not going to vote because like, look what you've done. You know, it's just, yeah. it makes me feel very like untrusting of, of everything. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, I think we as a society have gone through so much trauma yeah. that lately it's like, it's hard to really, process when things happen so we're like I, when the when the fourth of july shooting happened um i think i think a lot of people were just like well there's another one there's a it's it's hard to not just kind of become numb to it all um so yeah i mean personally i i've been trying to keep up with a lot of um activists on TikTok and Instagram. I'm off Twitter now, but um, TikTok, Instagram, different people who are elevating, um, you know, 
actual ways to help and um, fund the, these things that we that we need for reform. But I mean, honestly, like if I'm if I'm honest, most days I'm just like, what is happening? Like just going through the motions mm-hmm. and being like, I don't know what to do. Like they tell me that I just need to vote, and that's what it is. But clearly, that's not enough. And, um, so yeah, I (laughs) wish I could have a more positive answer to that, but I think I'm just sort of like defeated about everything. You're saying, you're saying a lot there. I completely hear you on that. In fact, as soon as I get off here, I'm going to go take my frustrations out on the lawn and, 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 and do some, because I feel like that's the only thing I can, can even somewhat control at this point. Um, and not to have even control or power over something, but just to be able to see some, some progress on (laughs) something. Um, well, I thank you for sharing. Thank you for providing your uh, thoughts and, 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 you know, sharing this space. Um, again, I just I wanted to get your perspective in regards to what this meant and uh, what it's meaning, you know, for the future as we think about the next five years. It feels like these years are just running by. It's like, man, it's halfway through 2022 about to hit 2023. I sometimes trip out that it's been, you know, 30 years since the L.A. uprisings. And I'm like, whoa, what? Where did that time go? You couldn't tell me it was been three decades. And I'm like, what what, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> like, what went on? Um. So thank you so much. I appreciate this. Yeah. Thank you for for having me on. And yeah, I, I appreciate it. And solidarity, I guess, to <laughs> you. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. So, yeah. But also, I mean, here's another thing that I didn't understand as a kid. At that time, that I, you know, I only really began to understand like about uh, around 2006, 2007. Um, So I went most of my adult life without knowing that the religious right was formed in the 70s and came to be in the early 1980s, 1983. In fact, the same year I became a Christian, the, the moral majority was formed and the reason they came together was not to fight Roe v. Wade, but rather it was to fight Brown versus the Board of Education. See, see, yeah. Hello? It was yeah. to fight the impact of Brown versus the Board of Education on Bob Jones University, who had taken, who had taken their own uh, case to, to all the way to the Supreme Court to fight to try to keep their campus segregated. And um, because what happened, the lineage kind of goes like this, Brown versus Board of Education, 1954. And then uh, the next year is when Emmett Till is lynched. And he isn't just lynched, he is eviscerated. He's eviscerated and murdered, right? So there's like rage behind this murder. And um, why? Because the way of life of the South and segregation have been disrupted by Brown versus the Board of Education. Then you have the whole next decade from 19, from 1955 all the way to 1965 is basically a, like a second civil war. It's the civil rights era and it's a war, it yeah. right? For the, for the desegregation, for, for the rights of people of color to be realized in full. And so the original culture wars, if we're honest with ourselves, did not start with Roe v. Wade and the ERA. The original culture wars started with Brown versus the Board of Education. Yes. And it was was the war to maintain white space in the South and white supremacy, really white nationalism in Mm -hmm. the South. Mm Mm-hmm. And right. And so then you have, we win, we win civil rights. We win, you know, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. And, um, and then stuff starts to change. I mean, like codes and laws start to change. Right. And one of those codes that changes is, um, is, is some codes that have to do with education um, because of the Civil Rights Act and the reality that you can't claim to be a tax-exempt um, organization, uh, even you know a church um, or a religious organization, 
unless, I mean, if, if, if you are discriminating against people of color because of the Civil Rights Act, which is founded on the basis of Brown versus the Board of Education. So when Bob Jones University gets something in the mail saying your, your tax exempt status is about to be revoked because you have segregationist policies on your campus, they go up in arms and they're all like, well, we have the right to be segregated because our faith, you know, um, says that you can't, you know, no misogynization of the races. And then, you know, they finally back down a little bit and they say, okay, um, you know, never mind. We're, we'll let one black person on the campus. So they literally <laughs> took a janitor they took a janitor what? and enrolled them in, in into that school, and they only lasted one month. He is, I'm out of here. And so he left, and then they said, okay, we'll allow people of, they didn't say people of color, obviously, we'll allow Negroes on campus, um, but they have to be married. And so the, they allowed married students, and then, but they, that still did not, the government was still like, sorry, your tax exempt status, this is still segregation. Um, it has to be freely used by, by all. And so then they were like, okay, okay, okay. We'll allow single black people to be on campus to come on and be in our school, but they have to sign a, a vow that they will not sign a contract, that they will not date while they're on campus, while they're, while they're going to our school. <laughs> oh, man. And every white student had to actually sign something, or it was at least, at least it was policy, that um, if you were a sympathizer with, mixed race dating, you would be expelled. You couldn't, not, not only could you not date, you couldn't Lord, be a sympathizer. Have mercy. Hello. So their tax exempt status did not, you know, it was still going to be revoked and they took it all the way to Supreme Court. And who rallied for their defense? Jerry Falwell, mm. Jim Baker. Yeah. All the people that we now know as the founders of the religious right, they rallied around Bob Jones and the very and they also got Ronald Reagan to rally. That's how Reagan won is that he promised to help Bob Jones University when he when he got um, when he became president. And the very first thing he ever did when he stepped, you know, into the into the Oval Office, the first thing he did was to visit Bob Jones University and throw his support behind them. But it didn't work. They still lost their case in 1983. 1983. So yeah. So, so when you think about that, I, I go back to the time when I became a Christian in 1983 uh -huh. and I was told that I had to become a Republican in order to become a Christian, in order to, to remain a Christian. I mean, think about how warped that is. Yes, absolutely. Of, right? I, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, think about, think about the reality that what they're saying is that in order to be a follower of Jesus, the one who confronted the kingdoms of men and told them, yeah. you hands off the image of God. The one who said, I came for the oppressed, right? That Jesus, they said, in order for me, a black woman to be a follower of Jesus, I had to be in line with a party and a candidate who vowed to protect segregation. <laughs>